Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Super big thanks. Go out to Jose Cruz. He'll be doing an amazing job today in this Friday I Work For Him show. But the question goes out, have you joined the I Work For Him Nation? Do you know what I'm even talking about? Many of you that are listening going, Jim, really? Do you have to talk about it again? Listen, every day I get somebody that emails me and say, Jim, I want to join the I Work For Him Nation. I want to make a commitment to the Lord that I want to make it, I want to be used to make an impact on my workplace, starting with praying for my coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's the first thing we ask. And then we ask that you look for ways to serve the people that you work with, to befriend the people that you work with, because if we're going to have the opportunity to share the gospel, the good news with our friends and coworkers, they want to hear it from a friend. They want to hear it from somebody who's experienced it. That's why friendship is so important. And guess what? You can't do that at work. Sometimes you have to do that outside of the office, outside of the workplace, whatever that looks like for you. And also, when you're in the workplace, we're looking for I Work For Him Nation members to look for ways to pray with people. When you notice that their countenance is down and you go, hey, you don't, you look like you're having a tough day. Is everything okay? And they're always going to say, I'm fine. Then you say, really freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional? You don't know, really. Okay, what's really going on? And you get an opportunity to hear from their heart. And you say, can I pray with you about that right now? And I've never had anybody say no. Never. Had anybody say no? Members of the I Work For Him Nation are called to a position of excellence in their workplace. So it doesn't matter what you do. We're looking for people that are willing to just submit what they do to the Lord with excellence. Whether you're digging ditches, washing cars, selling insurance, maybe you're a used car dealer, maybe you're a pastor, whatever it may be, you're committed to excellence because excellence brings glory to our Heavenly Father. Go out to IWorkForHim.com, iwork, the number four, Him.com. Click on the I Work For Him Nation flag but it does take a paradigm shift in our minds romans 12 2 talks about this it says don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world but let god transform you into a new person by changing the way you think boy if i've ever done it today i'm doing it every day i say i bring on people onto the show to challenge the way you think about your faith and your work to challenge the way you think about your walk with the lord to put a challenge in front of you whether whether it's from somebody's testimony or somebody's ministry, what they've got to say, we're hoping that it will inspire you. Today, we're taking it to a whole nother level, a conversation I've been wanting to have for four decades. We've got an opportunity to do today. I am so excited. The Lord has positioned this from a phone call from my buddy, Taiwan Simmons, who is sitting us in the suit with the studio today. He called me about seven months ago and said, hey, Jim, I've been listening to the show. My wife got an email from you. 
Is there anything we could do to help you with your ministry? And since then, a fast and furious friendship between Taiwan and Shanae and Martha and I, they helped us with our marriage cruise retreat this year. And I finally got to go to church with Taiwan about four weeks ago to Hebron Cornerstone Church International up there in North Tampa. I think at the cornerstones of Fletcher, Nebraska. Was that right? Okay, Fletcher, Nebraska. And it was one of the most amazing experiences. And I asked the pastor, Pastor Carol Warren, if you would join me on the air today to talk about a subject that I've always wanted to talk about, because here's the deal, people. You and me, we've been brought up in very segregated churches, and it's ridiculous. We serve a Savior who more than likely walked this earth not the color lily white like myself. He had color in his skin, and it doesn't matter because God, in all of his infinite wisdom, created us all to look different and all to worship him differently, yet we judge people by the color of our skins, yet every one of our interior body parts is exactly the same. And it's driven me crazy. And I have the opportunity to bring Pastor Warren on today. We're going to talk about the unity in the church from a perspective of, hey, we've grown up in segregated churches. How in the world do we bust those walls down and start living for the Lord, together. Pastor Carol Warren, welcome to I Work For Him. God bless you, Jim. I'm glad to be here. I hope you feel that way at the end of the show. <laughs> I just want to have some fun. And Taiwan Simmons, welcome back into the studio. Thanks, Jim. We're glad just, to be here. We're grateful to have you here, and we're so grateful that you reached out to Martha and I. It's such, been such a blessing. I know that that call was probably a weird phone call to make. What a huge blessing that has been to Martha and I. You know, Pastor Warren, as you know, we had the opportunity to visit your church a few weeks ago. Yes, and it, it was by far one of, it is the best experience ever we've ever had visiting a church. You know, you visit churches, visiting a church is freaky. Normally, <laughs> when you visit a church, you want to sit in the back row so you can get in late and leave early. Well, because Taiwan and Shanae are like in your leadership. We had to sit in the front row. Anyway, I really want to know. I ask this question of every guest. How is Jesus making a difference in your life today? You know, it's it's um, it's a pleasure to be here, first of all, Jim. I thank you for the opportunity. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I love your passion for everything. And I was just trying to find somebody who's as crazy as I am about the Lord. So Amen. It's, good, it's good to meet you. But in direct response to your question, you know, it's it's. For me, it's a constant maturity and a growth in Christ that, you know, I had this preacher friend of mine one day and we we're at lunch and he said to me, Doc, you know, the place that I sought in God, he said, you are there. And I asked him, where in the world is that? You know, I'm constantly uh, growing, maturing, changing, finding out that every time everything I thought I knew about the Lord, he alters it when it needs to be altered. So I'm staying flexible and growing spiritually. So that's the difference I think that he's making in my life is teaching me that I don't really know everything. And isn't it funny people think we're there? You're like, yeah, guess what? When you're there where you think we are, we ain't nowhere where we thought we were going to be. I mean, wow. Okay. I thought by 50, I would you know, be a little further along, but the Lord has so much work left to do on me. All right. We're talking today with Pastor Carol Warren from the Hebron Church, Hebron Cornerstone Church International, right up there in Fletcher and Nebraska and North Tampa. We're talking about stop the segregation among Christ followers and promote unity in the church right here on I Work For Him. However it is you're hearing the message today, we hope and pray, and we pray before every show, that something we say today will drive you deeper into your faith. And today, there's challenge from the get-go in this show. You're going to be challenged to think in ways that, honestly, every Christ follower should be thinking, and we're going to bring the challenge here. 
And the whole point of the conversation is you and me, we work around, we work around people that are different than us. It doesn't matter what color they are or what their issues, what their sin issues are. We got to stop judging people because they sin differently than you and me. And we got to really, we got to end the ridiculousness of judging people because they look different than us. I look different than every one of you out there. Don't judge me just because I don't have hair. But the bottom line is we were all created in the image of our heavenly father. And yet we forget that. And so I have the opportunity today to, to have Pastor Carol Warren from the Hebron Cornerstone Church International out of North Tampa at Fletcher and Nebraska. I don't know. I got to write that down so I don't forget that. And we had the privilege, Martha and I had the privilege to visit their church four, three, four weeks ago. And honestly, the most incredible experience ever. We were greeted by every person in the congregation with a hug or a handshake. Never before. We felt more welcome there, sometimes than our own home church. It was pretty amazing. Martha will be mad at me for saying that. But it was it was an amazing experience. And honestly, I, one of the things, Pastor Warren, that I always wanted to go to a black church, because I've, I've seen the singing on videos. I wanted to experience the singing. I want to know why is that God equipped the the black body to sing so much better than the white guy. It was amazing. It was amazing. Your people were humble. They were singing with their hearts. It was it was incredible. And it was very obvious to everybody, of course, that we were visitors and that I can't dance. So because it was absolutely it was just so horribly embarrassing. I cannot clap and sing at the same time. I just can't do it. You did all right. You but, did all right. I, I know I, I can't I cannot. I mean it's hilarious. Martha's like please don't dance. Please please don't dance. So how tell us about your church because i want people okay. it's a it's a relatively new church plant and i want people to hear about it because i if if you live in tampa and north tampa it's a place you should go if i didn't live in indian rocks beach it's a place that i would consider going but it was an hour drive so it's just you got to pass a lot of good churches but i just can't do it because you know some days that'd be a three-hour drive during spring break so <laughs> talk to me about your church where do people find it we're, we're located in the Tampa Event Center. It's 13507 North Nebraska Avenue. Again, it's 13507 North Nebraska Avenue. It's, uh, services are held in the Tampa Event Center. As you know, this is a church plant. We have an established 20-year-plus church in Virginia, and uh, the Lord spoke to me to come to Tampa, and that's why we're here, and we planted the church. Our first service was on the campus of USF. And uh, so then we migrated around a couple of places, but we, we kind of like the place where we are now. We're in faith for a building and uh, church growth and all those things. But, you know, this is not my first rodeo, so we've, sure. we've done this before. Um, but our church is uh, very progressive in vision. We are dynamic, I think, in praise and worship. And uh, we are like in your face uh, where the word is concerned. <laughs> uh, and uh, I would agree. I would agree with that. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think we have to get back to that uh, where the pastor is not afraid to tell the truth. You know, Amen. You know, Jesus said it's the truth that's going to make you free. So we have to start start uh, stop being directed, I guess, by the congregation as to what we can and cannot preach and cannot say, you know, so. And I think that's so cool because it is so true. You live that out. You did not hold back on anything. I didn't hear you say anything that wasn't truth. I took four pages of notes. I'm like, I wish I got my video, my uh, uh, electronic recorder so I could record some of this stuff. But if you preached the sermon that I heard you preach, if you preach that at many churches around Tampa, people will be dead. They would just drop dead. They would drop dead right in the pews or in the hallways. They would drop dead. Or the, I mean, I, I don't, because you don't hear it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that the Lord had us come here. He spoke to me three years earlier, actually. Oh, you ignored him and for I, three years. You know, we'll call it ignoring. Instead of disobedience, I'll take ignoring. It's a lot nicer word there. I think, I think they're related. <laughs> you know, but uh, when we finally, uh, you know, obeyed my wife and I, um, you know, when the Lord sends you somewhere, the people there need what he's given you. So I'm sure that there's somebody here in Tampa who needs to hear what we're preaching. Uh, there's no question. And the cool part is when, it, when, when we sat down for lunch afterwards, it, it, it was obvious that you've got a desire to bring unity within the body of Christ yeah. in Tampa. Yeah. And there's four million of us living in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and we come from... Twenty to thirty different cultures from yeah. around the world. There's a there's yeah. a lot of cross culture. I mean, you talk about cross cultural. I mean, one of my friends, one of the guests on the show, works in Hudson, and he talked about at the Hudson High School. There's twenty languages being spoken. Wow. That's just like 30 minutes from here. <laughs> so there's a lot of cultural diversity here in Tampa Bay. So when you planted this church. And God called you out of the north to the south. Most people would say, oh, really? He called you out of Virginia to Florida. No, because I wouldn't leave Virginia to go to Florida. So what, did, what, what was the specific? What, what did God say? He says, no. I mean, how did you know that God was saying, I want you to go to Tampa? Well, it's it's interesting, Jim, because, you know, it's not a voice, you know, that comes through the wall, go thou to Tampa. You know, it's an inward knowing. And um, I knew I was supposed to be here. My goal, of course, where we were in Hampton Roads, Virginia, was to build a multicultural church, you know, and the dynamic of the area, um, it didn't quite you know, fuel that or that concept or whatever. So I believe that I came here. The Lord sent me here for the, the people here and for what I have in me and to create the church that I've always dreamed about being the pastor of, you know. And so it was interesting when we came here that the diversity, my wife was in the mall shopping and uh, two ladies who looked like her, but they weren't black, but they did look, now my wife, you know, you see my wife. So mm-hmm. there's obviously some blendation, yep. you know, going on in my, in my I got lots of blendation in my, in my background too. My wife, you know, but the lady says, are you from uh, Portugal? Are you Portuguese? She's like, no, and but they look just like they could be sisters. I'm at the gas station. There's a guy next to me. Looks like he could be a black guy. And I'm, I said, "How are you doing?" He looks at me like, "What are you talking about?" You know, he's like, "I'm from Ethiopia." So we're we're starting to, you know, we're out witnessing one Saturday, and we came up to a lady's house, and all the children were playing. And she said, "Oh, Pastor, I would love to come to the church, but I have a problem." She said, "Half of my grandchildren are Portuguese, and half are Dominican, and not, you know." And so we were just, just I was like wow, this is what I've always dreamed about, you know, so I know this is why the marriage between my ministry in Tampa, you know, was, was in the mind of God. And so, and, and yeah, and the Spanish and Portuguese, even though they share a continent, there's really, you can't speak that one or the other. It's just very interesting. Dominican, there's another story. I've been there. Wow. What a lot of ministry going on there, but it's true. We judge people by the way, look, and I always, it's, I love the fact that you came here to plant a multicultural church. Uh, and I have always desired, when you look at, somebody spoke truth to me about four years ago and said, you know what, Jim, we all experience God differently. Yeah. I'm like, really? I, I never thought about that way. I thought that if people didn't experience God the way I was experiencing God, then they needed fixing. Yeah. I mean, I re- honestly <laughs> felt that. I mean, I just, well, there something must be wrong with them. Yeah. And then I started to realize as God started teaching me, he's like, I got seven and a half million, child, billion children on the planet. They're all different and they all experience me different. Yeah. And yet we all serve the same heavenly father. And so when we had that conversation over lunch, you know, you, we, we talked about the way you were brought up and we talked about the fact that the most segregated, segregated day in our society is Sunday morning, Sunday. 
that makes me want to vomit. Because this is 2016. You know, not 1860. Yeah, we're the ones who are supposed to teach love. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't get me out of that soapbox. You mean the it. church? The church is supposed to lead the way in, in desegregation. Think? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and how do we get so far off? I'm going to start that conversation. We'll start. How do we get so far off? But then we're going to hit a break. But go ahead and, you know. How did we get so segregated in our churches? I think I think it's we talked about this this at lunch that our culture plays a huge part in the church services you know that we are part of and the churches are designed to minister to a culture you know and so having to uh, express your culture and worship and faith and all those things it it crossed over into doctrine, you know, and I think I said to you that, you know, we were taught culture as doctrine, you know, and, and but that had to do with the fact that we talked about, you know, my grandfather taking his peas or his peanuts, you know, to market and they're telling well, let's him. Well, t- tell that story, slow down, tell that yeah. story, because that story rocked my world. Yeah. And made me angry, yeah. rocked my world. Uh, my grandfather would take his take his peanuts, you know, to, to market and they're just peanuts, they all come out the ground. And so we watched him go to the front where, you know, all the white farmers were having their peanuts weighed and they're receiving a certain amount, you know, per pound. They said, hey, you, George, you have to take yours around the back. And so we go around the back where they're getting $3.59 a pound. He's getting $0.28 cents a pound or $0.29 cents a pound for the same peanuts that grew out of the same ground, but just because a black guy brought them. You know, so culturally that affects you in how you view white people. You know, and so when we go to church, our families had to come up with some way to express God's goodness even though they were experiencing slavery or prejudice or whatever. And so, errantly, they did so. You know, we'll, we'll get back to it in a minute. But, yeah, we um, will. All right, we're talking today with Pastor Carol Warren. He's from the Hebron Cornerstone Church International. We're talking about stop the segregation in our churches. And let me tell you my motivation for this. Number one, I'm sick and tired of segregation in churches. I'm sick and tired of mamby pamby weenie butt Christians, period. Because we're going to make an impact on the kingdom. we got to get off our keisters and bring Jesus with us no matter where we go. And And we work in a very culturally diverse community of Tampa and the United States of America. And we need we need to bridge the gaps of of cultural oneness and bring diversity. I'm not talking about diversity where we got to accept sin and call it okay. I'm not calling about that. I'm talking about we look different, but we serve the same God. Let's do it together, side by side, hand in hand. That's what we're talking about today on I Work For Him. And we need to do it because we work alongside brothers and sisters in Christ that look different than us in our workplaces. But are you working together to conquer, to, to bring people to Jesus in the workplace? I hope so. I know that it is, well, anyway, I don't need to give any more of my opinion. I just want to invite you to call and get this book to start thinking outside of the box. Ministries of Mercies, 877-943-9673. Pastor, you know, when we sat down, you were talking about this story. You shared the story of your grandfather. Your grandfather was a pastor, you said. No, my grandfather was a deacon, a deacon, a deacon. chairman of the deacon. My and dad your, was a pastor. Your dad was a pastor. Sorry, I had it backwards. Yeah. But your grandfather, you were a kid when you went to that farmer's market for yeah. him to sell the peanuts. Yeah. And you saw... Really, uh, they were discriminating against your grandfather because he was black, yet he was selling peanuts just like the white guys. And and yet the white guy is the guy that supposedly brought Christianity to the United States of America, yet there's nothing in the Bible that says treat people different because they look different. Yet that's what they demonstrated. How did you... You said something to me at at, at lunch. Hopefully this comes back up. How did you get past that and become a preacher of the truth? After you saw that kind of thing. 
Interesting, you know, because my grandfather was a very um, demonstrative, overbearing kind of guy. And I guess for his generation, he had to be that way, you know, to survive with a third or fourth grade education. But when he died, he left them 117 acres of, of land and, you know, a functioning farm and all those things. So I guess he adjusted to the time that he was in. But my father and my mother never um, taught us to be, you know, um, racist or prejudiced. And my mother worked, uh, she was one of the first African-American women to work in F.W. Woolworths. And, you know, that time there was a lot of junk going on in F.W. Woolworths uh, racially. And uh, she worked behind the counter, worked her way up for 33 years there and to be a department head and assistant manager in the store. My dad was in the military. He was in the Navy and he left the Navy and started pastoring full time. He had two or three jobs, businesses going on at the same time. He had vans going to the naval base. He had a janitorial service. You know, we're out three o'clock in the morning with homework on a dashboard helping clean buildings. And you know, so they taught us a good work ethic. And my father pastored for 42 years and drove 70 miles one way to church, you know, at least three or four times a week and put 300,000 miles on his cars and, you know, all these things. But when they got to church, it was still um, somewhat backwards and out of balance. They loved God, but they had merged, as I said before, their culture into their doctrine, you know, and so prosperity for most of them was a sin because they had never had prosperity. So they had to come up with some kind of doctrine that made them feel better and give them some semblance of self-worth and value. So it was, you know, blessed are the poor and, you know, labor not to be rich and, you know, those kinds of things. It's harder for a rich man to get in heaven than is the camel to go through an eye of a needle, you know, without searching the word and allowing the scriptures to define itself, you know, apologetically, hermeneutically, those kinds of things, they merge their culture in there. And so at church, all their songs were going to heaven, you know, going up to yonder, you know, when we all get to heaven, what sure. a day of, they were getting out of here, Jim. They're trying to get out of here. You know, one of these days we'll understand it better by and by. And so in their songs was their message of their culture and the struggles that they've had. And they sing because that's what they did in the fields while, while they were picking cotton to keep some semblance of balance and relationship with God, you know? And so, as a as a people, black people are very musically inclined and gifted and all of those things. But I think for me personally, it was my growth. Um, I went, I rebelled against church, period. You know, so I was like, I'm not going to go to church. You know, so at 16, my goal was to go get a record deal, you know, get a twin turbo Porsche. I was going to move to Malibu, you know, get some chicks of all different races on different floors of my house. You know, I was going to be an R&B star, never go back to church again. Of course, you know, you see the Lord had a different plan about that. <laughs> yes, he did. Okay. But you know, one of my best friends, I worked at a place called Haynes Furniture. And uh, one of my best friends there, we just developed this love for each other. It was a white guy named Lynn Garrett. And his father was a pastor. My father was a pastor. And he invited me to church one Sunday morning. And he said, look, Kale, come on, go to church with me. And so I'm like, really? You want me to go to church with you? He's like, yeah, come on, go to church with me. So I said, okay. I said, if you go to church with me, he said, I'll go with you if you go with me. And so I said, okay. So I went to his church, Jim, and they're singing, you know, celebrate Jesus, celebrate. Nobody's trying to go to heaven. You know, our God is an awesome God. He right. I'm like, wow. This is really powerful here. You know, the people were loving God. They had no consciousness of poverty, you know, which was a part of their culture, you mm -hmm. know, as a general as a general rule. And so there's no teaching against it. 
because they didn't have to, because they never experienced it, you know. So I brought them to my church, right? And they're singing, you know, when we all get to have what a day. And, you know, Lynn's looking at me and I'm looking at and he's enjoying the music, you know, after church, he goes, Kale, why are all the songs about heaven? You know, I said, because they're trying to get out of here. And so, you know, we've developed this bond. And what it really taught me was that I have been duped, hoodwinked, flim flammed, you know, uh, run amok all my life thinking that there's something wrong with this white guy that I can't love him like I love the black guy. And, you know, we can't go to church together and we can't worship together. And that's taught, Jim. Somebody taught that to us, you know, and they merged our culture. And I got to calm down because you told me not to preach, but they, they, <laughs> they merged, they merged <laughs> culture with doctrine, you know, and so for me to break out of that box, it was to see this relationship that I had with Lynn Garrett grow and flourish. And we were just, we just loved each other. It wasn't church. It wasn't, you know, about where you go to church and how you were raised and what, it was just the love of Christ, you know? Right. And so it started to teach me that maybe I missed something. Well, and what's, what's a shame is that, you know, we can't do anything to fix anything that our forefathers did. There's nothing, we, nothing. we can't, but we can embrace what is the result? And we've got a very diverse culture. Yeah. And the cool part is we do experience God differently. And truly, the best thing I tell people when I'm working with business people, I say the best thing you need to have, Christian business people, I got to take you to the third world so you understand poverty. Because you will appreciate yep. what you have differently than you ever would before. You have to experience poverty. They And... And so, so many people get caught up in, well, I'm guaranteed Bridge is like, no, did you ever meet Paul? The dude was <laughs> poor when he died. So we're talking today with Pastor Carol Warren, and he's brought alongside by my good friend, Taiwan Simmons. Taiwan, say hello for everybody. Hello, everyone. Taiwan and his bride will be guest hosting on the 24th of May on a Together on Tuesday with Jim and Martha, but it'll be with Taiwan and Shanae as Martha and I go off on vacation. That's going to be a show you don't want to miss. The two of them fighting for a microphone ought to be really good. All right, we're talking with Pastor Carol Warren from Hebron. He, Hebron. How's this supposed to be? Hebron. Hebron. Hebron <laughs> Cornerstone Church International. I've been screwing that one up for the last half hour. And we're talking about unity within the body of Christ. And, and you know what? I, I got to speak for my own. To you listeners, I, I'm hoping that this is challenging you as well, much as it's challenging me. I'm tired of churches, first of all, being closed-minded and, and saying, what is you know, stop fighting for the same people. We're all together. The churches are all part of the body of Christ. We're all in this game together to reach people for Jesus, to tell them the gospel truth, to present to them the hope that they're all looking for. And yet we find within churches bickering. And we find between churches bickering. And then we find segregation where we could cross cultural lines as Jesus did so effectively and reach more people for Christ. And I was so grateful to have this conversation with Pastor Warren today as we're talking about how do we get this unity thing going? Because I am proclaiming it right now from this radio platform that Jesus is not impressed with the segregation in the no, church. Not. Jesus is not impressed no, with not. people that go to church on Sunday and on Monday they're different people. Yep. He wants us to work together and he wants us to bring our faith to the workplace because a faith in our workplace, you and me can make a difference. We can be used by Jesus. We may be the only Jesus they ever meet, but you know what? If we bring prejudice with us and if we judge people by the color of their skin for crying out loud, uh, then shame on us. We got to just get it. Okay. Yeah. We, uh, I'll back down <laughs> off that soapbox. Let's talk. Okay. Just grab, grab the microphone back, Lord. Okay. So I got to 
the Lord laid on your heart. I want to just recap for people that are just tuning in right now. The Lord laid on your heart and your bride's heart that you needed to move to Tampa yeah. to start a multicultural church. How hard was that to be obedient when you were in a church that's been established for 20 years? And uh, it's a little unnerving. Um, give a shout out to my beautiful wife of 37 years, um, Lady Michelle Warren. She's um, she's my rock, my backbone. And uh, my major concern was having to go to her and tell her that we have to <laughs> sell our home and sell everything, leave everything that we know and uh, go to a place where we've never been and start a ministry from scratch and, you know, go through all this process all over again. But the Lord had already spoken to her, you know, and she said, I was just wondering when you were coming to tell me and I'm ready, you know, and so. Was she shaking her head just like that? Yeah, yeah you know, she was so, doing that. I I'm she like, was. okay, it's all right now, you know, and I have my mother with me. She's 80 years old. She moved with us. And, and uh, she was willing. You thought she wasn't going to be willing. I thought mom was going to be like, no, because she had told us a year before, I don't care where you go. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here. But when we went to her, she's like, uh, hey, I'm packing up. I'm ready to go. So it, it was very difficult, but. There's a there's a you know impression on your heart that the Lord makes, and uh, you know He spoke to me and said, "I'm going to let you do ministry at the level of your dreams," and so my dreams were not to be a black pastor with a black church, and uh, my dream was I saw this vision one night, Jim, and I saw the Lord's head on the body, and I saw the body. Uh, but it had pictures of different faces and cultures of people in it. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm not a race. I'm a collage. You know? Amen and, to that. And he said, you're going to have to alter some things because people's culture counts. It does count. So we can't ignore culture to bring them into our church and just make them say, oh, forget that you're Chinese. You know, you can't do that. So we have to teach each other the things in our culture that are good, that if we merge them, we become stronger together than we are apart. The things that are detrimental or negative, we kill those things, you know, and then we allow Holy Spirit to run the church. The problem with the church Jim, is that we got too many pastors who are too smart. They're too intellectual and they're not spiritual and they're not allowing the spirit of God to speak to them. You know, there's no way that Holy Spirit is involved in segregated churches. There, there is no way that can be God. Amen. You know, and I'm sorry, I'm trying to, you know, you know how I am in church. You've seen me in church. <laughs> I've seen okay? sweat I'm, try, I'm trying yes. to keep a modicum of decorum here on the show. But the, the point is, if the spirit of God is, you know, the, the Bible says he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So, Jim, you and I. Are one spirit. We're not. Who cares about where you came from? Who cares whether you eat, you know, vichyssoise or you know, I eat fried chicken. You eat barbecue ribs. No, I like fried chicken. chicken. Yeah, you know, French fries or or you know, a gyro or what. It doesn't matter. What matters is if they see our love. They will know by the love that we have for each other that we belong to Jesus Christ. All right, so the, and, and what you said, I, I talk about the Holy Spirit being involved. And by the way, you know, I grew up in a church where you always called it the Holy Spirit. And, and Taiwan introduced this to me. She's like, talk Holy Spirit. Well, we talk about our Heavenly Father. We talk about Jesus. And we always put a the in front of Holy Spirit. I don't know. That, that might be a white church thing. I have no, no idea where it came from. No, no. It's just a revelation, a point of revelation that you don't call him the Jesus. No, I don't. You don't call him the God. You know, you say God. You say Jesus. Okay, well, why say the Holy Spirit? I don't as, know, because you know, that's a cultural yeah, as thing. As if he's some kind of object sitting on the table. No, it's a him. It's I Holy understand. Spirit. I've seen him. And when I pray, I pray that way. But when I talk about him, I always put a the in front of him. Yeah. But, but when, when, you, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, when you talk about Holy Spirit in the church, I never, I can't tell you that I've ever heard more than one 
I don't know, in all the churches I've ever grown up in, that I've heard a sermon on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Where I learned about Holy Spirit, I learned at youth conferences. I learned yeah. at places outside of the church yeah. on on how Holy Spirit was designed to in, infuse my life and to, and to transform me from the inside out, to restore me the way God intended. So let me just ask you, you mentioned, okay, multicultural church. missing element. I understand in Power. so many churches. <laughs> so, yeah. We think that the Holy Spirit is represented in deacon committees and elder boards. I got news for you, people. You know, you know, Jim, if I could just throw this no. in here, I'm itching. You got to go to a break. I, no, I don't got to go to a break. I just got one point I want to ask you because you said something I want to ask you. So write your point down so don't you forget. Yeah, okay. You're trying to develop a multicultural church, but yet you come from a black church background. Sure. How are you going to bridge that? Because you're right. Culture is infused in me. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was, I, after I left Baltimore, I, but even in Baltimore, I've lived in suburbia. Yeah. All my life. Yeah. Never been exposed to inner city culture, yeah. except for when I've intentionally been put in inner city culture, right. only exposed to poverty by my own choice, right. and only interacted with homeless people at my own choice, but never something that was part of just natural where I lived. Right. And I've grown up lily white. I mean, I really yeah. have. I, I, I understand white culture, although sure. I don't understand small town white culture because I right. did that one time. That was like living <laughs> in some continent. That's another conversation for another day. How are you going to... How are you going to do this with the cultures? I'm, I'm merging my fingers together because we all have been taught to worship differently. Yes. The, you know, worship is worship is is a linear progression. OK, whether I'm singing Bethel or whether I'm singing Israel Houghton or James Cleveland, w- worship is a linear progression. If we continue to do it, we're going to get to where we're supposed to go which is God. And so if I come to your church and you're singing a slow song, it may not sound like something I could sing or I, I even want to sing, but you know, my daughter Joy has, has taught me some things about worship and praise. I have a 31-year-old and a 32, uh, 34, I don't know, Tay is 34-year-old, uh, beautiful daughters that my wife uh, gave me, and uh, both are very talented and very active in ministry. But uh, I've learned through watching them as they merged you know, their worship with white churches and non-African-American churches and loved it, you know, and have brought that uh, understanding and culture back to me. And I'm like, this would be great if we could get the pastors to stop competing with each other, thinking that if I see, we have to force the interaction. We have to force it. And the pastors who run the ministries are going to have to sit down and say, okay, there are 4 million people. In in the you know the metro in in Tampa in the Tampa Bay area, how many members do you have in your church? Oh, I got twenty five hundred. Okay, because you take twenty five hundred more, that's a drop in the bucket. There's enough sinners out here to fill up everybody's churches and still have a lot of churches. And, church. still and we have, still need a lot more churches. Yeah, still need more churches. So the issue is the pastors have to come together. They need to get saved. Jim, I said this to you, and I said I shouldn't say this on the air, but I guess it's already out there now. If I was in church, I'd say booyah, wake your butt up. You know, so, so what Amen. I'm saying, what I'm saying is, the pastors are competing with it. My church better than your church. My choir better than your. My choir better because we. It's foolishness, and we. You know, the world is looking at the church, going, "Well, if that's Jesus, I don't want anything to do with him." And we've got to force the interaction, just like we're doing right now. The Bible says, "Speak the truth 
in love. So there's a way we can talk truthfully about problems I have with young African-American males who who think that, you know, if I wear my hair, you know, in uh, dreadlocks, I make a statement to the world that I'm, you know, rebelling against the system of the white man. It's foolishness. You are lazy. You are trifling. You need a job. You need to go to school. You need to finish school. You need to stop having babies that you don't intend to raise. That's the truth. Okay. It has nothing to do with white people, you know. And so we got to tell the truth, you know, that I go to the bank and they redline me that I can't live over here and I got to live over there. And the mortgage company never gives a black person a loan on this side of town. That's the truth, Jim. So so we got to tell the truth. Once the truth's on the table, then all the saved people can come together and pray and, you know, rebuke the devil and, you know, and attack things that are against the scripture. But the pastor's are the key. They have the pastors have to get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost so we can come and the Holy Spirit will say, do this, do that. You talk about the forced interaction, the forced interactions where, where we were going to be forced to do that. It's coming because I don't know if you were following the news today, but today the federal government said to every public school in America that they have to allow transgender students to were to go into the bathroom of their gender identity forced from the federal government down to every public school in the United States of America. Wow. Today. You talk about forced interaction? Our churches are going to be forced because it's, there's going to be a huge culling of the body of Christ. Probably not the body of Christ. Huge culling of the quote-unquote Christians. Those that really aren't but go to church anyway, they're going to probably scatter when the persecution starts because when we start to stand up for the for truth in our society and represent truth, it's going to, it's going to clear it out. Scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar. We were talking about this a minute ago when we were talking about the political climate that we're in. And the church is in the middle of this. God knows the church is in the middle of this political climate. He knows the situation in the world. God's not an idiot. He's the smartest being ever. Okay. So he's not sitting there scratching his head trying to figure out what to do for the church. The problem is we are not sensitive to the voice of Holy Spirit, to the movement of the glory of God. We want something for my church. I want my church to grow. I want my church and then I want my church and then we're going to do you know what about everybody else why you don't pray for every pastor why don't you pray for all churches all Christians all you know and and this is again that culture woven into doctrine thing where I feel like that's okay for me to do that that God's somehow pleased that you know this is how we've you know built our church and the foundation of it it's it's not pleasing to God it's Holy Spirit is the missing element. He will cross every bridge. He will break every heart. He will break every boundary. Holy Spirit is the key. He got, he's got. he got to be allowed to run the church again. Well, and if you if you go into other continents where Christianity is exploding, you start to realize, wow, we don't have, we don't have the, no. the, the uh, license to the Holy Spirit no. in, in America. The, the church is exploding in China, exploding in Africa. So let's focus on this, uh, Pastor. Let's talk about since we all serve the same Heavenly Father, we all have the same Savior. He died on the cross for all of us, regardless of what color of our skin. And we all have a Holy Spirit that is infusing us with the wisdom and knowledge of our Heavenly Father and will give us the guidance if we'll ask Him. How do we start this unity process? How do we break down the stinking walls that have been built up for centuries? 
Again, I believe, uh, Jim, it has to start with the pastors. The, the pastors have to, you know, and I challenge pastors today, you know, call me, 757-288-4338. I would love to have a pastor's luncheon specifically for this purpose with pastors who are saying, you know, I'm not afraid to have, you know, an outing with my church and your church. I'm not, you know, all your people are going to leave and come to my church. You know, it's foolishness, you know, that we may, we may need 40 or 50 pastors to come together to have enough impact to show the other pastors that this is a doable thing, you know, and we can force that interaction between us. And, you know, I'll be uh, delighted to, to host it or help put it together or work it out or <laughs> logistically arrange it, whatever. But we just need the players. You know, we need the pastors that will step up and say, I heard your pastor. That's my heart, too. And, I, you know, and maybe some pastors who have, you know, like white pastors who have maybe a fifth of their congregation are black people, you know, and so they can kind of understand a little more what we're talking about or vice versa, you know, but on a larger scale is what we're talking about, you know. You know, you did something very brave the day I was at your church. At the end of the church, after you had closed out the fourth or fifth time and said, okay, I'm going to be done. And, he, and you looked over at me and said, Jim, you got anything to say? And you handed me your microphones. Like, that was, it was three? No, it was like seven. Every good but pastor it, it has doesn't, at least four It doesn't clothes. matter. It, it didn't bother me at all. But you handed me the microphone and said, Jim, do you have anything to say? And I was astounded. Yet the Holy Spirit had got, oh, I'm, I'm, it'll take me a long time. He had, he had warned me that you were going to do that. And I'm like, that took a step of faith. He doesn't know me for Adam, yeah. but it was such a privilege to be in your body and to yeah, be it was part a of that. To have you guys too. It was so like I said. I wish you just guys were a little bit closer because I just I get the aversion to crossing the bridge on Sundays because I got to do it every other day of the week. <laughs> Thank you so much for this conversation. I, I would love to take it further. I want to do whatever I can to help back. this. That's good. I would love to do whatever I can to help build unity within the body because I want to. Ch- I'm bringing the challenge down. This this show is not about any one organization it is about the body of christ and us making the impact in a workplace Beautiful. and we need to be we need to be able to do that so thanks for being on the show today Love taiwan it. thank yes, you thank you for I'm being loving. obedient to holy spirit and calling me that one day i yes, appreciate sir. it yes, i gotta look that back up on the on my uh, uh phone to find out what day it is because that should be an anniversary Hi. hey thanks for Absolutely. tuning in today thanks so much for listening thanks so much to Jose Cruz. He did a great job today. Nobody called him for the book today. You missed a great one. I'm going to give it away anyway. Hey, go out to iWorkForHim.com tonight. Enjoy the weekend, but join the iWorkForHim nation. Make the commitment to start changing your, allowing the Lord to change your workplace through you starting Monday by praying for your coworkers and employees. You got to get that done. iWorkForHim.com. It's going to transform your life. The Lord wants to restore you to look just like his son. And one of the ways you can do that is by being obedient in the workplace. Because we got to remember the enemy takes the battle for the souls of our coworkers and employees very seriously. Are you? Start praying for them tonight. Join the iWorkForHim Nation. Go out to iWorkForHim.com. Click on the iWorkForHim Nation flag. Start tomorrow praying for them get ready for monday because monday's coming you've been listening to i work for him with your host jim brangenberg i'm a christ follower i own my own business god is on the throne and ultimately i work for him